Traditionally, organizations make more money on renewals and customer upsells upgrades than they do on net new logos. So if we really are going to evaluate how the company is going to be run, if we don't see customer success as our growth engine, then that's a failure. Welcome to the Hyper Engage podcast. We are so happy to have you along our journey. Here, we uncover bits of knowledge from some of the greatest minds in tech. We unearth the hows, whys, and whats that drive the tech of today. Welcome to the movement. Hey, greetings, everybody. This is Adil. I have Taylor Kennerson with me. Thank you very much uh, for listening to our episode. Uh, we are here with uh, a VP of Customer Success at Forecastable, Janelle. Thank you very much, Janelle, for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank cool. you, Janelle. Great. Go ahead. So, Janelle, uh, talking to a lot of uh, CS leaders, uh, even some of the C-suite executives uh, in the past, we have we have uh, we've had so many different stories. Like a lot of them came from different backgrounds, and they stumbled upon customer success. They felt okay, this is good. Working hands on, really uh, close to customers, living with their dreams, evolving with their goals. It's our own thing, and this is something we that's that's something that we need to pursue. What was your story uh, starting up uh, as a CSO back from the Adobe days, and then you know going into the startup uh, world and working at a platform like Forecastable? Like, how does that uh, thought process, decision making, <laughs> yeah. you know, drive of, of that, you know, entire uh, decision making process was? Yeah. Um, so I actually, my intentions in life were to sing opera. I went to college to sing opera um, and <clears throat> that didn't work out. <laughs> I... Um, I'm the one, I was always the one in the back row in the choir section. And he, my dad would stand at the back of the auditorium. And he's like, I can still hear you. Like <laughs> I was a projector, um, very confident. And I got in that world and just decided I hated the drama. I hated the backstabbing. I hated that I'll do anything to get the lead part. I just love to sing. And that was kind of my thing. And so I realized very quickly that was not the right choice for me. And I stumbled into office management because I'm really good at calendaring, email management. I'm very Monica Geller organized and clean. Like, you know, so it just was a good fit. So I did that for a while. I ended up being like an executive assistant to a couple company owners. And one of those company owners, um, I ended up working in the field with our majority clients, our, our top 1% earners. Um, and realized very quickly that that's what I was supposed to be doing in life was working with people, helping manage those relationships. And then I got a very clear, clean break. He brought on a new company owner um, and we just did not get along very well. And my sister was here in Colorado. Um, I have two, I have two now three nephews and I didn't want to be uh, um, a distant card in the mail for holidays and birthdays and you know so I'm at every baseball game I'm at every football game I take them to school three times or you know to uh in the week during the week um so I moved here I moved to Colorado to be a full-time aunt and started at a company called Agility Recovery they're a disaster recovery company and started as an SDR I had to prove myself so I started as an SDR set a couple company records um because I was I'm naturally good at selling and I had an offer to become an AE and make a lot of money or become their very first CS hire. And I remember sitting on the front porch of this of the old house we used to live at with my mom on the phone going, mom, I want to make a lot of money. I've never made a lot of money. That's really enticing, right? Um, 
And then there's this, there's this job that like, they're still trying to work out the details and I don't have a job description yet. And there's no bonus structure or comp structure yet. It's just a base <laughs> salary. And you know, as tempting as the money was, I knew in my gut that the customer success manager position was where I needed to be. And so I excelled very quickly in that role. We built out the strategic enterprise team. I was the first part of that team. Um, and it's just kind of gone from there. I, I left to be a conversant and kind of helped manage some KPIs there that they were struggling with, then uh, landed at Adobe. And that was for me really the pivotal moment getting into Adobe in their enterprise level strategic accounts and meeting all of these incredible people in business. So I was managing higher ed one year. So um, I'm still very good friends with my contact at Georgetown. Um, University of Washington was very near to my heart because I always wanted to go there for college, right? Just found myself in conversations with some chief marketing officers and some chief chief oper operating officers that really just helped my skill set develop in a very quick amount of time. Um, and ultimately decided that Adobe big corporate wasn't my gig. And along the way, just so happened that one of my account executives um, that that I got along with really well, Alex Buckles, who is now my CEO and co-founder of Forecastable, um, on one of our trips together, <clears throat> he was building out this buyer map and he was doing it in Lucidchart. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I do these for accounts. It just helps me get visual. And he he gained so much momentum from that, that he decided to start up forecastable and in a, a uber ride on the way to a restaurant he's like when i'm ready you're my only choice for customer success he's like i've never worked with anyone that cares for people and throws themselves into their work with people the way that you do and, and truly care and um and I, I i was so taken aback by that that i'm like oh yeah we'll we'll, we'll talk about it when that happens <laughs> it was like a year later right he's like would you come on as an advisor until i can pay you full time um, and so I, I did that for about a year and a half and then he brought me on full time in October and here we go. Right. We're uh, at this place where I'm building a, an entire customer success program from the ground up. And it's been the hardest job of my life, but also the most fulfilling, the most um, inspirational. Like I just, I get up every day and I'm like, I can't wait to figure out what I'm going to do next or learn next or build next. Right. So, yeah. I love that. I love Maybe. that you had such an an orthodox approach coming into um, CS, you kind of like stumbled upon it. And it's almost sometimes when you come into something with that naivety and you're not really sure what it is, you're able to like bring in those cross-functional knowledge of your different experiences and interlock that with your, you know, in CS now, which gives you like a different perspective and you're able to create that slightly unique profile for yourself where you set yourself apart just by being a little taking a different path and being okay with not going the traditional route of following the money you felt you followed your gut and sometimes that is the fork in the road that people look back on 30 years you know ago and are like wow shit I wish I would have done what I knew I should have done um, yeah. which takes a lot of courage so can you kind of go into now you're in a new kind of setting where you're building a team you've never you've seen it done you were a part of it happening and growing so what does it look like now for you and what are your 
what kind of frameworks are you applying? Because now you're making the decision. You're in the driver's seat. So I know, no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah, no pressure or anything. You know, we want all the answers. Uh, and, um, I know, right? Well, so I think, you know, I, I cannot attribute my success um, or, or the position that I'm in for my sake alone. Um, really, Alex Buckles, my CEO, and I had a very deep heart to heart. If I was going to come on board, these were my expectations because I, I knew all the pitfalls. I knew all of the... Um, the the no nos <clears throat> within customer success that I had experienced, uh, you know, in real time with customers at some of my organizations where I'm like that is the wrong decision, and I had no say. So I made it very clear to Alex that if we were going to move forward together as a team, that he needed to do a couple things. One of those was see customer success as the growth engine. We are a product led growth um, company, right? We we are leading by where the product is heading and you don't know where the product should be heading if you're not listening to your customers also traditionally organizations make more money on renewals and customer upsells upgrades than they do on net new logos okay so if we really are going to evaluate how the company is going to be run if we don't see customer success as our growth engine then that's a failure uh, so right out of the gate he and i were aligned on that point i also wanted to take a different approach around how customers are engaged from the moment that SDR BDR makes that first phone call all the way through till renewal, right? And and the the pitfalls are right the the AE line in his pockets doesn't take a whole lot of notes doesn't really outline the process. We're lucky if we get thirty minutes with them before we're handed this customer. We don't know the goals or the business outcomes or how the customer's measuring success. We, we're trying to right. So now we're, I'm sitting with you, the customer, and I'm asking all these questions that the AE or the BDR asked during the sales cycle. And that handoff has been a difficult road. Um, so we approach it as soon as the account executive is in the final two stages of the opportunity, I'm brought in, customer success is brought in to do discovery, to make sure that the customer sees that sales and CS are completely aligned and they're not answering some redundant questions along the way. And I can set up their customer profile within Forecastable and how we're managing that customer relationship before they even sign the contract. So we're going in with this smooth transition. Um, so, so I think those two approaches are what are going to set us apart and, and why I think we're going to find success very early on. Uh, truthfully, my drive is I'm passionate to let other people become the best versions of themselves. And to see a light bulb go off over someone's head, they're like, oh, I get that. Oh, I never heard of that. Oh, that was great. You know. That's, I live for that. Um, and I think, you know, the world needs kindness. The world needs respect. The world needs to be a little bit more vulnerable with each other in business. And I've been told my entire career, you put too much into your customers. You can't keep up the pace. You're going to burn out. And here we are. How many years later? <laughs> so cool Because, you know, it's what I love. I love building relationships. I love giving people the assurity that you can trust my word. I will follow through. I'm going to get back to you. You can hand me a project and I will project manage to completion. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, I have a passion for doing what I say I'm going to do and being trustworthy and treating other people. It's like that term, the way I want to be treated with respect, with kindness, with grace on my bad days when I'm having a, a grumpy day, you know, which we all have. Um, so that's just kind of my approach. And I think, I think um, the way that we're going to grow this, the customer success team, we've actually made the decision to focus on non 
customer success managers. So we are actually actively scouting teachers. There's a mass exodus of teachers that are leaving their professions for whatever reason, right? Whether it's a great disagreement, whatever, whatever the reasons are. Um, I think teachers are an incredible resource that put to work in their own home office, uh, wherever they want to be, you know, they're going to be amazing hires. I already have two that have blown me away so far. Um, we're also looking in the retail and service industries because to be good with people is something I cannot teach. I can teach you Salesforce. I can teach you forecastable, but I cannot teach you how to care. I cannot teach you how to be proactive, to think two steps ahead of the customer as to what they might need. Um, and I can't teach you how to manage that relationship when it's difficult, when the customer is down selling and it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. You have to have those conversations with grace and respect, right? Um, so those skill sets are in the market like gangbusters, but we tend to look at the degree and we look at the job history and we don't want people who've never done this role before. And I just, I, I want to give those individuals the opportunity to grow themselves professionally in a way that they never would have been able to before. And so um, I kind of created a four week boot camp, zero to zero to 104 weeks. And um, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> still, we're, we're still a test phase. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot of this uh, comes down to how, you know, people that you have, how bought in they are, like how they are part of like, everything is imprinted within them uh the way you want to take this uh operation up to a level where uh where it makes a difference makes a huge massive impact so you know when it comes to post sales journey uh, journeys at uh forecastable you know of course you're working at different uh customer segments some segments more in the strategic partnership side you're working hands-on with partners how does uh, the infra side of it like uh i would say the operation side of it has been strategized and uh, to make it scalable to let's say 3x, 5x, 10x more customers uh, to sort of like what kind of technologies uh, have you guys incorporated over the years? Uh, I would appreciate um, it. Well, you know, for me, I really, I didn't want our decisions to be driven off of thoughts or, or feelings or ideas. I wanted our decisions to be based off of data, period. I wanted customers to see, visibly see what was happening with their user base. Because our, our our focus right now are sales teams, uh, customer success teams, legals, operations, you know, managing that entire customer relationship from start to finish. And so um, our customers look for how many of my, let's say I have a hundred users that are supposed to be using Forecastable. Are they logging in? Are they working on the core features that we deem these are the things they should be doing? And so the only um, partner I was looking to have was Pendo. So Pendo, not only um, it, it's twofold for me, one, it's um, in-app product guides that when I onboard a new team of people, let's say it's a hundred folks and most, I, I do a real quick, you know, 90 minute, let's make sure everybody logs in and you have the Google Chrome plug in. And I walk through the platform. I don't leave a ton of question, room for questions because if I let everybody ask a question, I'd run out of time. Right. So I always say I'll record the training and then there's product guide. So literally by topic, you can search for a, a product guide that will kick up and walk you through the process or the step, whatever you're trying to do in Forecastable. Um, and I knew Pendo was great at that and, and easy to work with. So that was my first thing. The second thing was Pendo actively tracks user 
um, data and not just user data, but it shows you within your own platform, which features are being used the most, clicked on the most. Um, it'll actually show you when a, a user logs in, where do they go from the login page? It will actually map all the way down to when they leave the website, where do they go? They map their, their direction. Um, and so I use that data to ensure our customers have visibility and we set goals. Like, so for, you know, every week we want to have 50 new contacts imported from LinkedIn into Forecastable. So we set a goal and then Pendo will track against that goal. And so I'm offering consistent real data to drive co the conversation around, you know, we've seen a dip in usage. Have there been layoffs? Do we have new team lead? You know, what's going on? It, it gives me visibility into what their usage actually looks like. And if we're seeing real success, that also drives that conversation of, it's time to expand. Let's talk about, you know, moving this into your marketing team. Let's talk about, you know, how we can um, continue to partner with maybe your partner network because we're very strategically placed to co-sell and be in the partner ecosystem space. So um, I, I don't, I've thought about using Gainside. I've thought about using client success. Um, and right now it's really simple. It's Salesforce, which we have a native integration uh, into Forecastable. So we use Salesforce, Forecastable, and Pendo. Those are the three that my team use. And we use Slack. Obviously, Slack is another tool. Um, but those are really the three. And I mean, the feedback that I'm getting from my customers is that their time isn't wasted on the call because I'm coming with real data to have a real conversation. Um, and they're getting the results that they're looking for, the feedback that they need. And and so I, I keep our program as as simple as I can be. Because when you overcomplicate it, mm -hmm. I think the customer tunes out. Yeah, minimum tech stack, yeah. minimal tools to look at and uh, make sure they get the job done. So by the way, uh, you know, when it, when you talk about CRM like Salesforce, it's good to manage your contacts, engagements, all of that. So how you're uh, managing and or monitoring the data points that are more related to the product or platform's usage like engagements inside the platform, like all those data points and events uh, to make yeah. sure your customers are well adopted to the platform to be able to retain. Yeah, so um, so actually Salesforce serves as just the CRM. It feeds, we, we, make, we do all of our daily activity actually in our own platform, Forecastable. So we build buyer maps to give a visual representation of who is an opponent, who's a supporter, who reports to who, who's the economic buyer, who's the decision maker, you know, it gives visibility into who you're working with. But then we also have a planning section where we allow customers, and I should actually just speak on us, we created um, plans for each step of the customer journey. So an accounting, uh, uh, an SDR, an account executive has a plan with milestones that are in order of when they're due. So every milestone, every touch point that the customer should have in that phase of their journey, we've put into a plan. And then the account executive works against that plan, marking milestones complete, actively showing their manager where they are in their plan with that customer. We transition that into customer success. So I have a plan for if it's a co-selling customer, um, if it's a partner vendor partner, um, or if it's a, a straight forecastable customer, there's a customer success plan with preset milestones that we work against. So that includes, you know, regular stakeholder uh, touch points. It includes, um, we call, we work with um, executive business reviews. We don't do QBRs. Um, and so between those regular stakeholder check-ins and our EBRs, which I built the decks for, right? So that all of that pendant data, all of their 
their active um, quarter over quarter review or you know M1, M2, first of the year, half, second half of the year, um, depending on what the customer is looking for, we work off of their business objectives and the KPIs they're looking uh, to measure against to make sure that the data we're surfacing is exactly what they're looking for. So I, I love how you were able to take, um, you kind of like bashed a misconception that some people have is that, you know, you can't be data-driven while being empathetic, respectful, human first. Um, and I love the fact of the point you made earlier before we dove in a bit to the CS ops is you, you had a conversation with your teammate or, you know, he's your boss, but everyone's on yeah, the same yeah, team, yeah. had a conversation and you outlined what your non-negotiable was. And it really drove home to me that you emphasized to him and made sure he understood the what CS really is. And, you know, it's a, it's a new space and some people, um, you know, have their own definitions of what CS looks like. I'm relatively new into the space, never had the position, but just have talked to, you know, amazing people that have been in CS. And at the core of it for me, like, I guess an outsider looking in is it's a, it's a human first function. You're caring about the human and you just had to put a business term on top of caring about the human and driving value and making sure they're okay. Yeah. Uh, and you put CS on top of that. So yeah. the layer of you now looking at the teachers and the people that have these soft skills makes complete sense in my mind, because from an outsider looking in, like it's almost like a duh, obvious, like smack yourself in the forehead. When you're in the trenches, you just don't <laughs> see it. Like, like you don't even see that the core of yeah. what CS truly is. And if you're caring about the human as, you know, a, not just your client, in, then you will see value in the end result. As long as your product is doing what it says it does and you're caring about the human, that's really the winning formula. Um, you build that trust, you build that relationship. It all is a byproduct of the basis of that. Um, and that's a huge thing. And I love that you were able to integrate that, have that conversation too with someone, you know, perhaps you like according to roles was more senior than you, but you were like, no, this is, this is what it is. And him being able to buy in on that is yeah. critical. Too much, you know, he, he chose me as the CS leader because of my uh, philosophy in business, because of my passion, because of my care of our, our, you know, fellow customers. Um, so there wasn't much talking him into it. It was just reassuring that he agreed with me basically. And he was like, well, yeah, that's why I hired you. <laughs> like, so you know, I, I had, um, he is a friend. I, I, I respect him so much. He's been a mentor. I've learned, oh my gosh, in the last two years of my career with him, I've learned so much, but at the, but the, at the heart of, of who I am, it has not changed throughout all of the different organizations I've been with. And, and a, and a quick example of, you know, the, the kind of relationships that I build that I think are that we need in business. I'm tired of people telling me it's business. It's not personal. It is personal. These are real relationships, real people. So while at an organization, um, had a customer who chose my product over other products, I inherited them in year three of their three-year contract. And it was very clear they did they never should have been sold. I knew that because they had fired the account executive because he was selling these deals that wouldn't work. And no one had really dug in really well enough to really see, can we custom build something for you? So I spent the first six months of that year trying to get it to work, knew that it couldn't. And my primary point of contact, my primary stakeholder said, you know, basically if this fails, I'm, I'm out of a job because we don't have a backup right now. Uh, so I went to our two largest competitors because I had contacts there 
and got him meetings with those two vendors so that there wouldn't be, if, if he could find a solution with either of them, there wouldn't be downtime. He could easily transition from my product to their product with no interruption. Um, and he did go with one of my competitors and he actually wrote one of my recommendation letters to get into CU Boulder for my master's degree. And I use that as an example to show that like, that's not in the job description, right? It was a gut instinct I had that said, he's terrified for his job. He's a dad. I know about his life. I didn't want him to, to struggle when I knew there was something I could do to help the situation. Right. And, and I think that's how you have to approach customer success while it is business. Yes. Business is important, but like you said, it's human first. And I think the one positive that COVID brought to business was it humanized all of us. CEOs are in businesses are in their offices at home, just like I'm with dogs behind me on the floor. They have kids interrupt. They're real, right? They're real people. We're all real people that have bad days, good days, and it leveled the playing field, I feel like. And so, you know, that, and, and I've seen more face people than I ever did before COVID. We're on video now all day. And I, and I love that because again, it humanizes all of us when you're in front of people on a regular basis. And so, you know, I'm someone who tries to find the positive and I think COVID did us a favor in business to reconnect each other um, as real individuals <laughs> with real, yes. real yes. struggles and real problems. <laughs> and yes. and reconnect with within ourselves as well. Like we, we, we yes. tend to spend a lot of time outside having external infliction and uh, externally inflicted uh, experiences. And COVID for the first time made us realize you got to sit with yourself. You got to sit with your pain, with your demons. That's all of you. You know, you got to accept it. You got to keep it in mind. So thank you very much for being such an inspiration today, by the way. It was so inspiring. Listening to you, all these uh, opinions that you have. I love it. Well, man, I'm telling you, there's been some dark times in life, right? Um, I've faced some very dark times over the last couple of years. I've I've faced some incredible joys. You know, the summer of 2020, I got married and I uh, turned 40 and I graduated with a bachelor's degree within 30 days of all of that. Um, and, um, you know, again, I, I just feel like we all struggle. We all have things that we go through. And um, I think we can value human beings in business and still do business. Right. And, and do it with a degree of dignity and respect and without ego. And I think that's one thing in customer success that is hard for me is there's a lot of ego right now in business and I don't know where it comes from. Um, I don't appreciate it when someone's devalued because they don't have the right resume or they don't have the right degree or they don't have the right background. Right. If I hired a teacher at another organization I was at, they'd go, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I want to get away from that and, and stop feeling like we have to have this picture perfect background um, in order to allow someone the opportunity to be successful if they have the right skill set. And I Absolutely. think customer Absolutely. success is about people, people first, right? So it's also about giving second chances. I still remember Hawkeye Phoenix. He won the Oscar for the third, uh, for the first time, I guess, first or second time uh, for Joker just a few years back. And he came in and he started crying on an Oscar stage. And he said, there are lots of people here in the room that gave me the second chances, third chances. That's why I'm here today. It's not me. It was never me. So it's all about being a support system. It's all about, you know, giving people chances and, you know, being empathetic about people. There are people that have, you know, a lot of things that they go through on a daily basis, a lot of battles to fight, 
a lot of them stays within them that they don't they're afraid to share because you're not empathetic so uh, oh, I, I'm so big on this by the way so I, I love to I think that's a great point and, and I will say too I think uh, you know 20 2020 and 2021 did some radical things for SaaS, right? And I think I don't think we're over that fallout yet. We're still operating as if business world is as flourishing as it was in 2020 and 2021. The truth is it's not, right? A lot of startups are going to fail. A lot of leaders were, were fired. Um, but I know that there are leaders like myself who, if you look at my resume and I would apply to a job, I have not grown an organization from 10 million to 100 million. And there are people gonna, that are going to look at that and go, well, I can't hire you because you don't have a skill set. But I think that there are individuals who are passionately motivated and good at what they're doing that can be grown, right? That can be in an organization with the right leaders and the right growth points to achieve to give that person the ability to grow themselves. And I think as long we we continue to look for, again, that picture perfect, right, background to fit the need that we have when we don't look inside our organization for who can we look at that's really successful that we can grow, and my husband is a, um, a sales executive and he always says, you never promote your top earner because they have to keep earning. And I said, yeah, but they're their top earner for a reason. They've, they've built and, and um, matured their skill set to the point where they're incredibly successful. Wouldn't you want to promote that person if they want to be to give them a chance for their own professional growth? And I think that mentality is difficult to find in business sometimes. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I encourage, I'm going to be encouraging my team and, and, and looking at the, the folks that want to um, be promoted and, and move on to, you know, if they came to me and said, hey, there's a senior CSM role at this other company, you know, would you help me get there? I was like, dude, let's go. Like, I'm not going to grip onto you because I want to keep you. I want you to find your own personal path and, and professional success. And however I can help you get there, man, do I want to help you get there? <laughs> right? so, yeah, absolutely. I love that's that. So that's so true. And before we wrap to it, it so resonates with me. It's so much about, you know, helping people along their journey. And when you are, when you actually say you care about someone, but then when you do what you do, Janelle, and you actually like take action on that and like, go find another role because you actually staying in the same position is a direct reflection on me that you're complacent in my, in my, in our book, I feel like that's a complacency and you're allowing someone to just be okay with being okay. And if you're trying to pave the way that you are, like we are all together trying to put this human first mentality, it is helping someone grow. And sometimes it doesn't work out so well within your company. And if you're putting the human first, then that's okay. And that's where it's the beautiful journey of life and growth and nurturing someone and supporting them and watching them flourish. But the yeah. people that are looking for more, that are wanting to achieve more, that are looking for the, for the mentor to help them make more of themselves, right? That's what I'm finding in these folks that are retail um, uh, service and teaching industries is, boy, you give them the runway to help them build the plane. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll take off. They got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Amazing, Janelle. So beautiful talking to you. We thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you. The insights you shared were invaluable and we're so excited to get these out. Awesome. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, it we'll was so you. inspiring to have you today and listen to all of your opinions, stories, experiences. I'm sure this can only come out of someone like you that has struggled over the years, that has you know, struggled through all of these good and bad times and, you know, try to be uh, be a better version of themselves. And that is the only way for that person is to give away, you know, whatever. That, that's the purpose of life. 
for me. Yes. You know, just give away and die. Whatever you have, whatever you've acquired in terms of money, in terms of skills, in terms of all these gifts that we don't appreciate uh, and give it away before you die. And you have complete choice over who you are today. I choose to be joyful. I choose to be kind. I choose to be respectful. No matter what's behind me that can no longer hurt me because it's behind me, where I sit today in my life and the choices that I make that will affect my tomorrow, I actively make choices. I have a little post-it on my mirror in my bathroom of, you know, um, a, a very kind thought in the morning can change your entire day to yourself. Be kind to yourself and make choices that not only help you get through the day as a better person, but help everybody else that you interact with have a better day. And and that's the mentality I take. And I take one day at a time because <laughs> tomorrow yeah. I make up, I wake up with a headache and that might not be the same mentality. <laughs> one day at a time. <laughs> but you have the mirror reminder. So mindset shift as soon as you go to the mirror. <laughs> I love it. We'll talk okay. soon. Have a beautiful uh, day. Thank, thank you very much, ma'am, for showing up. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you so very much for staying with us on the episode. Please share your feedback at adil at hyperengage.io. We definitely need it. Uh, we will see you next time with another guest on the stage with some concrete tips on how to operate better as a customer success leader and how you can empower engagements with some building some meaningful relationships. We qualify people for the episode just to make sure we bring the value to the listeners. Do reach us out if you want to refer any CS leader. Until next time. Goodbye and have a good rest of your day.